Welcome to Unlocking the Truth, a podcast where we discover God's truth for ourselves. Do you want to know how to better study God's Word? Then participate in one of our free online workshops or join one of our online Bible studies. There's tons of times and options to choose from. Head to our website to register now at www.preceptministries.ca. On our website, you can also get connected to our social media pages and join our email list to stay updated on the many things God is doing through Preset Ministries. We want to hear from you. If you have been impacted by these podcasts, then we want to know. Email us your testimonies to info at preceptministries.ca. We can't wait to hear about how God is working in your life. Now, stay tuned for Unlocking the Truth, a study on the book of Jonah. Hello, everyone. It's Mark Sheldrake here again. This is Unlocking the Truth podcast. We're starting a new series this week, looking at the book of Jonah. We're going to spend four weeks looking at this wonderful little book. Uh, Going to be a challenging four weeks, I promise you that, or four episodes. We still release these podcasts on a bi-weekly basis. Thank you for tuning in. Thank you so much for the emails that continue to come in as an encouragement for us as a ministry, knowing that you're listening uh, each and every time that uh, the podcast is releasing. Uh, Also thankful for those who are joining in and studying. Before we begin uh, looking at Jonah, I want to recommend just a couple of uh, things for you to to pick up. You can do that on our e-store. And uh, the first is the new inductive study series, uh, Discovering the God of Second Chances. Uh, we'll study uh, the book of Jonah, Obadiah, and uh, a couple others. So this is a 13-week Bible study in which you can study along with us in the book of Jonah as we walk through in the podcast. You could also pick up the Precept Upon Precept or the in and out book on Jonah called Where Are You Going? And uh, I strongly encourage you folks, just uh, don't be uh, listeners of this only, but get into the word for yourself and see these truths, knowing that uh, uh, this book is really exciting. So if, hey, if, whoa, wait a second, if by chance you... Uh, have children or grandchildren, and you are looking for something for them to do, to engage in the Word of God with you over the next few weeks, you could get the D4Y Discover for Yourself children's series called Wrong Way Jonah. And this is going to walk, they're going to walk through verse by verse through the book of Jonah uh, with you. Hey, how exciting! could be family devotion time, studying Jonah in the new inductive study series, precept of precept, in and out, and then, of course, our children's study. So you can find all of those at preceptministries.ca in our e-store. Just click on the shop button and uh, make sure that uh, you get some of these tools to get engaged in the Word with us. All right, that's enough of the advertising. Let's get into the book of Jonah, and we'll start with a word of prayer. Father, we thank you for uh, the opportunity we have to to look into the scriptures uh, on a biweekly basis through this wonderful tool on the internet. We thank you for 
uh, the people who who give to this ministry of Precept Ministries in Canada and uh, for their um, generous giving, helping to fund uh, things like the podcast that we're doing, Lord. I pray for the hearts of each and every person that's listening to this podcast, whether listening to it uh, now or uh, down in the future, back through the archives, listening to this book. I pray that uh, your Holy Spirit would would just challenge us uh, through these uh, this story of Jonah. Father, we know it from Sunday school. If, we, if we've heard it, uh, we know the songs that are about it, and we pray that uh, uh, some new things, some things new and fresh would be brought off the page uh, by your Holy Spirit. So we give you this time. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right, so, hey, we just have come through uh, looking at Second Peter um, in our previous episodes of the podcast, and now we're, we're into the book of Jonah. And the book of Jonah is such a uh, wonderful book. I love this book. There is so much in this uh, little book of the Bible. It's challenging. It's convicting. And I titled this whole series in Jonah uh, called Running From Your Calling. And so we're going to look at, uh, in four weeks, I'm going to give you uh, the breakdown of the four um, weeks, just uh, in a week-by-week or episode-by-episode breakdown. And so week one, we're going to look at just running from the will of God. Then we're going to look at what it means to submit to the will of God in episode two. Episode three, we're going to look at what it means to accomplish the will of God. And then in episode four, uh, we're going to look at Jonah's reaction, which is uh, truly questioning God's will. All right, so this is going to be a challenge. And no doubt going to uh, rub us the wrong way uh, when we think about what's going on in this book. Some of the, the key things that we want to focus on are, uh, one, God's sovereignty and control over all events that take place on earth. We also want to focus on God's determination. Uh, no matter what, he's going to get his message out to those that need to receive the message. Uh, we're also going to focus on the fact that there is a need for repentance and uh, from sin. And then we're going to look at Jonah a lot closer. And we're going we're gonna to study his heart and align his heart and see some of this self-centeredness and this hypocrisy that he's living in. And we're going to line it up and see how we... Uh, are responding in the light of the times that we are in. And then finally, uh, we are going to look at God's character and his grace in the assurance that God will relent in his judgment when people repent. I mean, how exciting, isn't it? How great is it going to be to get into the book of Jonah and, and see it for more than what uh, we might have been taught in Sunday school. All right, so hey, if you're listening to this and you're a new believer and, and you didn't attend Sunday school, uh, I can, I mean, you could Google some of the images of uh, Jonah 
and you could see what uh, some of the people have uh, put for um, the kids' stories for uh, the images that come from Sunday school. Uh, I always think about um, the, the fact that why is it that when we are teaching children uh, books of the Bible and scripture, things of the stories of the Bible, we have um, some of the greatest things put on the, uh, the walls of the church right or or the walls at people's house all right so let me give you an example noah noah and the flood we we put noah and the animals and the ark on the walls in in uh, nurseries i mean this is one of the greatest judgments of god he wipes out the earth saving uh noah and the animals and and the other one is we paint big whales on the wall with uh jonah just about to get swallowed by uh, the whale. Uh, I'm just looking at one of the pictures uh, via Google right now, and and uh, <laughs> just can't, I can't help but laugh because it's the pictures like Jonah and the whale and special Bible activities, and it looks like the whale has a smile on his face, and it doesn't look like Jonah uh, is suffering too much. There, there's another picture on here, and it's a picture of uh, a Jonah in a suit. Uh, walking out of the whale's whale's mouth. All right, so there's all these different kind of views of Jonah and and this story. The first and foremost is what we need to look at before we really dig into it. Okay, before we really dig into uh, the story is, do you believe it happened? I mean, this... It, wait for it. I bet I've been waiting. I have been waiting to say this for weeks. I mean, this Jonah is a whale of a tail. I mean, that is dad joke 101. Hey, this is a whale of a tail. Um, so what we're going to look at in this whale of a tail is can, could you just, can you wrap your head around what has happened in this story? Just think of the simplicity of what we teach in Sunday school about Jonah. Uh, Jonah was supposed to go and teach and bring a message of repentance. He decided not to. He ran. Uh, there was a big storm. We're gonna we're, don't worry. We're gonna dig into all of this. There was a big storm, and it, and when the storm rose up, they realized that it was Jonah. They threw Jonah into the sea. Jonah was. Uh, swallowed up by this this big fish. Jonah lived in the fish for three days. He repented, he prayed, and he did all these things. And and then the the fish vomited Jonah up on the dry land, and he went and did the will of God. Can you believe it? I mean, just just pause and think about this. A man was swallowed by a fish, and when he was swallowed by the fish, he lived in said fish for three days, and then he was vomited up onto the dry land, and he got up, and he went to Nineveh. I mean, if you were just thinking about the, the, the kind of how that would work, I mean, the questions that might arise from a skeptic is, well, how big was that fish? How did he breathe inside that whale or that fish 
for three days. This, this has to be a, a metaphor. This can't be real. And so now you have all these skeptics that begin to, to, to portray Jonah as different things. All right, so let me just give you a couple ideas. All right, it never, some will say it didn't really happen. So some believe that this is an allegory or a parable. Jonah, representing Israel, who was supposed to carry out the will of God and didn't carry out the will of God, and therefore they were punished for it. But what we have to do is we have to think about this book as a whole. Okay, so where, where the skeptics come in is they say, how is it possible? How is it possible that a man could live in a fish for three days? All right, well, what we want to do is there's, there's only one reason, okay, one reason why we want to look at this book, the book of Jonah, as historical fact. Okay, are you ready? Do you want to know why? All right, this is, this is just, this is the meat of the whole thing. All right, so here's why you can go and you can balance anything the skeptics say about this with, with one answer to this whole thing. All right, was Jonah real? The answer is yes. Why? Because Jesus said so. All right? So Jesus said that it happened. There's no other proof that's needed than the very fact that Jesus so said that this event took place. This historical event with Jonah took place. And why? Why? Because God does not lie. All right, uh, Titus and Hebrews. If you go back and you go into the Second Peter passages and you look at the podcast episode on the inerrancy of Scripture, we looked at the very fact that God does not lie. All right, we know that Jesus is the Son of God. He is a part of the Trinity. Therefore, Jesus was without sin. He does not lie. He points to Jonah and says that it was a historical fact. Uh, Matthew chapter 12, uh, verses 39 to 41. So Matthew uh, 12, 39 to 41. And so what it says here, it says that Jesus, when he's talking about his death, burial, and resurrection, he says in verse 39, or verse 38, then some scribes and Pharisees said to him, teacher, we want to see a sign from you. But he answered and said to them, an evil and adulterous generation craves for a sign, and yet no sign will be given to it, but the sign of Jonah the prophet. For just as Jonah was three days and three nights in the belly of the sea of the monster, so will the Son of Man be three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. The men of Nineveh will stand up with this generation at the judgment and will condemn it because they repented at the preaching of Jonah and behold, something greater than Jonah is here, all right? So, hey, Jesus pointing to Jonah being historical fact. It's also, Jonah also mentioned in Matthew chapter 16, uh, verse 4. So, Matthew chapter 16, verse 4, another mention, an evil and adulterous generation seeks after signs, and a sign will not be given except the sign of Jonah, and he left and went away. All right, so there's, there's two points where we're seeing the reference to Jonah in the Gospel of Matthew. Uh, Luke chapter 11. So let's look at Luke chapter 11, another gospel. 
All right, so Luke 11, verses 29 to 32. Luke 11, uh, 29 to 32. All my Bible pages are sticking together today. All right, so look at, let's look at this. Matthew, or Luke 11, 29 to 32. All right, so we have, as the crowds were increasing, he began to say, this generation is a wicked generation, and it seeks for a sign. And yet no sign will be given uh, but the sign of Jonah. For just as Jonah became a sign to the Ninevites, so the Son of Man to be this generation. All right, so then for just as uh, the Queen of the South will rise up and the men of this generation at the judgment and condemn them because she became from ends of the earth to hear the wisdom of Solomon, and behold, something greater than Solomon is here. The men of Nineveh will stand up it with the generation at the judgment and condemn it because they repented at the preaching of Jonah, and behold, something greater than Jonah is here. So we have two different gospel writers, both finding the importance in putting Jesus' words on paper that what happened with Jonah is true to uh, history. All right, so we have to look at this as a historical event, not as an allegory, not as a parable, but an actual Jonah and an actual Nineveh and an actual message from God and an actual great monster, great fish swallowing Jonah up and vomiting him onto dry land. Why? Because Jesus said so. That's it. There's nothing more than we need. All right, because why? We can take Jesus' word to the bank. We can count on his word. All right, so let's look at uh, verse 1 of uh, Jonah chapter 1, and we're going to walk through chapter 1 uh, in this episode, and, and oh, oh man, oh, this is going to be challenging. All right, so let's, let's walk through this and, and take a look at what what uh, we've got here. All right, so the word of the Lord came to Jonah, the son of Amittai, saying, Arise and go to Nineveh, the great city, and cry against it, for their wickedness has come up before them. All right, so let's, before we even go further, we have this call of Jonah, that Jonah is to take the word of the Lord to Nineveh, and as a prophet, uh, share that judgment is coming because of their wickedness. All right, Jonah is only mentioned one other time in the Old Testament, and it is found in 2 Kings chapter 14, uh, verse 25. So 2 Kings 14, uh, 25. And here's what we learn about Jonah. It says, uh, he restored, okay, this is the f- in the 15th year, verse 23, in the 15th year of Amaziah, the son of Joash, king of Judah, Jeroboam, the son of Joash, king of Israel, became king over Samaria, and he reigned 41 years. He did evil uh, in the sight of the Lord. He did not part- depart from all the sins of Jeroboam, the son of Nebat, which he made Israel sin. He restored the border of Israel from the entrance of Hamath as far as the Sea of Arabah, according to word of the Lord, uh, the God of Israel. And he spoke through his servant, Jonah, the son of Amittai, the prophet who was from Gath-Hefer. All right, so here we have 
that during this time, Jonah is a prophet, and he is a prophet to, to the north. And here, here's the problem. This, this great city, this great people uh, of Assyria, all right, so Nineveh is one of the capitals of Assyria, and so they became such a great and strong nation that they captured all of the northern Israel and basically destroyed them. And around 722, that was really uh, the end of the northern Israel and bringing just focusing on the, the southern kingdom that Assyrian had taken. They were such bitter enemies. These people were so strong in their, um, their kind of military that they even overtook Babylon. Think about that, that they, they had overtaken Babylon and just, just a strong military power. They were oppressing the Israelites like, they had, like we had never seen before. All right, this is, this is some serious stuff. Bitter enemies of the Jewish people. And so what God is asking Jonah to do is God is asking to him to go and share a message of repentance with his bitter enemies. He, he's to go with a message um, of repentance or judgment is coming into a culture that just was completely out to destroy Israel. I can't help but think for just a few moments about this this culture that we we are living in in the moment right now. Uh, we so desperately need to get the the will the the word of God out to a culture because doesn't it feel like the culture around you is just uh, doing its best to absorb uh, you know Christianity and and overtake and just become an evil and wicked uh, place to be. Uh, when we stand back and we look, I mean, we have some, some great things happening for the kingdom of God throughout the world, but we're also seeing this culture that is just uh, radically transforming. And so here, here, here's the problem, is um, we know that God's judgment is coming. Uh, Jonah, who is a prophet, he knows that uh, judgment comes when those who don't obey and don't hear the message. And so there, there's this apprehensiveness and really this desire to not go and share that message with Nineveh. Why? Why? Because they destroyed Israel. In, in, in his heart, does, do you think Jonah was judging that they deserved to face the wrath of God. Well, let's let's keep looking through and and let's look at what happens as we we walk through this um, this passage. The word of the Lord came to the son of, uh, to Jonah the son of Amittai, saying, "Arise and go to Nineveh, the great city, and cry against it, for their wickedness has come up before me." But Jonah, when you see the word "but" in the scripture, you know the trouble's coming, right? All right, so, but Jonah rose up to flee to Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. So he went down to Joppa and found a ship which was going to Tarshish and paid the fare and went down into it to go 
uh, with them to Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. Uh, Jonah was going in the exact opposite direction of what he needed to go. I mean, he was fleeing as far away from Nineveh as he possibly could. He, he began to run away from what was before him. So let's just look at this in a straightforward, in a kind of like a one, two, three. One, God has given Jonah a job to do. Two, that job is for him to share the message of repentance, transformation of heart, or face the wrath of God. Why is God going to judge them? Because what they have done to his people, he is going to bring judgment against them. They're disobedient people. If you wanted to really see uh, what, what kind of life was like in Nineveh, about 122 years later, Nahum, he actually prophesies again against Nineveh. And you can see the sins of what was happening in Nineveh 122 years after uh, Jonah prophesied to um, the Ninevites. All right, so he runs in the exact opposite direction, and he finds a ship, and, and he pays the money to get on that ship and get as far away from the presence of God. All right, so uh, just twice in verses in verse 3, it mentions as a key importance that Jonah is running from the presence of God. Uh, just to pause here for a moment and bring this back to you and I, because this is the most important thing for us to think about. Have you ever been given a job or a task, something that God has called you to do, and instead of doing what God has called you to do, you have either ignored it or you have run in the opposite direction. I can think back to when I first was figuring out whether um, I was going to stay in ministry or not. I, I was just talking this week about one of the big changes that I've seen in our culture, in our church culture, and in just in general, is this um, this kind of discussion, this open forum now on uh, mental health. Uh, I'm not mocking this form or in any way, shape, or form. But the example that I gave was when when I was pastoring full time. That the 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 idea of Outwardly talking about mental health and the stresses that come with the pastoral role uh, were not something that were done very often. Uh, pastors would get together and talk to each other and support each other and pray for each other, but the whole discussion of the the stresses that were involved in that job were were most likely kept to our ourselves. Uh, we tried to shield our families from these things and, and not do them as, you know, so everybody would know. But now there's this open forum and discussion about talking about these things. One of the things that would happen, and we still see happening on a regular basis, is we have see people fleeing from the role of pastor, teacher, leader. Uh, because, one... 
they uh, are stressed out or the, the, um, the calling is too difficult and, and they begin to run. Um, to, to just lay this out an example for you, well, how can you say that, Mark? How do you, how do you know that that's why pastors are, are running from their job? Well, uh, ready? Uh, I'm one of them. I, I was one of those people that uh, was so overwhelmed and so stressed in my, in my role as pastor, I just decided that instead of following in the call of obedience and the will of God that God had for my life, I was just going to run away in the opposite direction and try to become a police officer. Uh, just, to, just to get away from the daily dealings of working in the church and the stresses that come from that, I thought it would be less stressful to become a police officer in a community. And so I did all the testing. I did everything you possibly could do to become a police officer. I was enormously overweight. I lost tons of weight. I learned how to run for beep tests and get stronger with weightlifting. And, and it didn't matter. Everything that I was trying to do, I could not get that job as a police officer. So what I do, I try to run again. I run, keep running away from the call of God on my life and keep running in a direction that is away from the will of God. And I try to get into probation and parole. Uh, working with uh, teenagers who are going through the legal system uh, to keep them accountable, uh, that door closes. Uh, then I continue to walk away from the will of God for my life, and I, I start to work in a warehouse. And, and working in this warehouse, and there is nothing wrong with working in a warehouse. I was working in a warehouse, distributing Christian materials, and I was delivering uh, our local newspaper just to stay afloat financially for our family. Our son had been diagnosed with autism around this time. You know what? The storm that was brewing in my life at that time was so heavy, I continued not to run into the arms of God, but run away from the will of God. Uh, Jonah. This is Jonah uh, in the flesh. Uh, I am one of the, the many living examples of people who have run from the will of God. You see, when I was very young, and I was about the age of 17, when I, when I, when I turned 17, uh, my first initial goal is I just wanted to play in the NHL. I, I applied to multiple uh, uh, U.S. colleges and, and got some letters back about them scouting me for, for roles in hockey and, and all of that. But none of that was coming to fruition. But one, one day as I was, I was studying the Bible and I had a really good youth pastor who was kind of equipping me and training me and using my leadership skills, I was studying the Bible and, and I saw just just like Daniel, just like in, in Daniel, when, when the writing was on the wall, I saw a chalkboard, and on that chalkboard, I saw three things. I saw teach many, lead many, and write for many. Uh, three things that I saw uh, on that board, and I had no idea what that meant. I saw a hand writing those things on the board. And I saw everything else being cleared off. 
And, and I began to seek the Lord in what this meant. And what I realized was that God was calling me to ministry. God was calling me to follow in his will, to preach the word of God, to lead many in the truth of God's word, to teach many, teach the word of God to people, and to write, to have the ability to write uh, Bible studies for people to equip them to study God's word. This was God's call and will on my life. And all I had to do was walk in the steps that God had laid out for me in his will and follow that path. And I would be obedient to him. But you see, after a few years in the church, just getting stressed out and, and compounding and compounding and not really having an outlet to talk through these things, I ran. I just ran. I felt like the church and the people of the church were my, were my enemy, and I ran. Uh, Jonah, he, he's fleeing from the will of God. He, he's fleeing away. Now, the, the responsibility and, and the reaction that we're going to get to in this is going to show us that what happens when you and I run from the will of God. In verse 4, it says, uh, The Lord hurled a great wind on the sea, and there was a great storm on the sea, so that the ship was about to break up. Uh, the sailors became afraid. And every man cried to his God, and they threw the cargo, which was in the ship, into the sea to lighten it for them. But Jonah had gone below into the hold of the ship and lain down and fallen asleep. I want you to think about something for a moment. I want you to think about the very fact at how peaceful Jonah felt running from the presence of God. Do you see that there was no, there, there, there's no, that we're, we're seeing in the passage here, there's no burning or, or, or pain in his heart or, or any mental agony that, that's happening in Jonah in the very fact that he's not following the will of God. He's completely okay with it because of the very fact that he is sleeping on the ship in the midst of a storm, when all of the sailors who are normally on the water are tossing everything from the boat, and they are reaching out to their gods, little g, praying that they would not die. But Jonah, he's getting a great night's sleep. He's not worrying about anything. He's knocked out cold. Well, the story continues. In verse 6, it says, The captain approached Jonah, uh, and he says, How is it that you are sleeping? Get up, call on your God, and be perhaps your God will be concerned about us so that we will not perish. You see that? Everyone else on that ship is worried about dying. Everyone there believes that this is the last trip they will take 
on the water because they are going to die. They're crying out to anyone who will listen in the hopes that they will be spared. And there's Jonah, sleeping. So much so that the captain has to wake him up. Uh, one time, and one time only, uh, a friend of mine asked me if I would go with him and go to uh, a place two and a half, three hours away and help him sail his sailboat on Lake Ontario back from uh, this place called Clarington uh, all the way back to Hamilton, uh, which is uh, a pretty significant trip. We took a train to get there, so it, it took um, a couple hours on the train. We got this boat out onto the water, and wouldn't you believe it that when we got onto this, one of these great lakes here in Ontario, that we got out there and there was no wind. No wind! We had to motor in this sailboat uh, with a very small motor for a very long time. Um, we started getting close to Toronto, and if you're from Canada, or you can Google this, if you're from the United States, or I, hopefully you know what the CN Tower looks like in downtown Toronto. It's this big needle that uh, can be seen for miles. I stared at that CN Tower for over three hours, and we didn't get any closer to it. But the closer we got to the big city, the more traffic there was on the water. And when the, um, the boats were going by, we actually had a big garbage, kind of like a big ship containing uh, a big, big, huge, massive boat go by us. And the waves that this boat created in the lake was unbelievable. I mean, the boat was turning side to side, up and down, rolling back and forth. And it continued to do that, and no wind. No wind. We're still using the motor. We're like six and a half hours, seven hours into this trip, and we still have not passed the CN Tower onto the other side heading towards Hamilton. And the waves are getting more, and guess what? Uh-oh, uh-oh, oh no. Uh, my stomach started to turn. It started to turn uh, like I have never had a stomach ache like this before in my life. And, and the guy who was captaining the ship, he, he looked to me and he said, um, all you need to do is to get rid of seasickness is stare at the horizon. My immediate response to that was, which horizon do you want me to stare at? I see three. And he's having a great time. And that's when I started to be so sick off the back of the boat that every wave we hit, my, my head was dipping into the water as I was vomiting off the back of the ship. This was brutal. This, this wasn't even a storm. Uh, I was texting my wife and I was asking her how close we were to the pier and how close we were to getting back to uh, the shore because I needed to get off of this boat 
and and she responded and she said you're out in the water still i was like i know i'm out in the water i need to get on to the dry land people uh, i was so sick when when we finally got onto the dry land i just lay in the fetal position on the cement pier and i didn't move until uh, my friend's wife brought me gravel so that I could get myself settled. And every time I think of this Jonah story and I think about these sailors and how they were so fearful for their life, I automatically go back to that story on the sailboat and I think to myself, how in the world did Jonah sleep in the bottom of that boat in the midst of this great wind and storm? And yet he did. At peace completely at peace with running from the presence of God. So they wake him up. Uh, each man and his mate, verse 7, said to, to his mate, come, let us cast lots so that we may learn on whose account this calamity has struck us. They cast lots and a lot fell on Jonah. Uh, casting lots um, was done a number of times. Casting lots was done with uh, Jesus' clothes at the cross, and it was a way of determining uh, God, God's will and what God, her, who God was pointing to for the reason that the, this issue and storm or calamity in the New American Standard, which will be repeated all the way through this passage, uh, it fell upon them. They are the reason this is happening. And so the lots, when they fell, it was determined that the reason this great storm had come up was because of Jonah. And because of Jonah's running from the will of God, a storm has come up in his life, and this storm has been brought for one purpose and one purpose only. And we will see what that is. But before we get there, you need to think about this. You need to think about in your own life, at what point in your own life have you run from the will of God and the response that comes from that is you end up in some sort of storm in your life where because of disobedience to God's will on your life, things have gotten very rough for you. Who knows what those things can be? Maybe they are, are sickness, maybe just the uncomfortableness of, of life. You know, I remember when I was running from the presence of the Lord, uh, so many things were happening in my life that were not going well for me. Everything was just way more difficult to deal with. Uh, are there storms in your life, and are they there because you are running from the will of God for your life? You might say to yourself, well, I don't know what the will of God for my life is. Well, quite simply, the will of God for your life is sanctification. It's obedience to him and to his word. When God calls you to do something, you do it. And in this case, Jonah was called to preach the message of the word. And for us, yes, we are to preach the message of the word to those who will hear it. But our first and foremost is to be obedient to God's word. And when we are disobedient, when we allow sin into our life, we flee from the will of God. And storms come because of it. All right, so uh, let's, let's look at a little bit 
uh, more as we'll walk through because I want to come back to this idea of storms coming because of what happens in the way we're obedient. Verse 8 says, They said to him, Tell us now, on whose account has this calamity struck us? What is your occupation, and where do you come from? What is your country, and from what people are you? He said to them, I'm a Hebrew, and I fear the Lord God of heaven, who made the sea and the dry land. Um, I, I, I just got to pause at this statement to, to think about the fact that, one, he admits he's a Hebrew. He admits that God is his God. He admits that he fears God, and yet he ran from the presence of God. How does one who truly fears God and his character run from him? Uh, if you revere God and you, and you love God and you show reverence for him, uh, don't you run towards him and respect him? And yet here Jonah is running away from the presence of God, hoping, hoping, hoping that God would not see Jonah running. Is that why he went down in the bottom of the boat, maybe? Because he wouldn't be seen? Well, I have, I have a character of God that I want to look at really quickly, and it goes along with flee from the presence of the Lord, and that is omniscient, that God is omniscient. He's everywhere. He sees everything. You can't hide from God. There is nothing in your life that you can hide from him, all right? Uh, Many times when it comes to disobedience of God's word, we try to hide things from God. Uh, let me give you a couple of examples of things that we try to hide from God. All right, Here, here's the first one. All right, adultery. Uh, think about that for a moment. Uh, we try to hide adultery uh, and go around in secret and, and um, spend time with another person instead of the one that we're married to. Uh, how often is adultery uh, found out? All right, God knows that you are committing adultery, and it will bubble to the surface. Uh, let me give you another one. Uh, here, you know, we'll, we'll, start, we'll start with the, the big ones, and then we'll move our way down. Pornography. Uh, anyone who uh, knows that pornography is not usually something that uh, is undertaken out in, in the public form. It's, it's done in hiding. All right, we try to hide that we have these things. We try to do these things in secret, away from our spouse and our loved one or others, and, and we don't want anybody to know about it. But it's hidden, yet God knows. And, and these things do bubble to the surface because... What you, what's happening in, in these videos is not rolled, rolled out into what happens in real relationships, and marriages are strained because of these things. Uh, these things don't remain secret forever. Uh, here's another one. Uh, you're probably thinking to yourself, well, I don't commit adultery. I, I don't have an issue with pornography. Lying. Lying is another one. Things that we do uh, in secret in the hopes that they will never get caught. We compound lies over and over. We build a lie upon a lie upon a lie to cover the next the lie that we previously stated. God knows that whether you're telling the truth or not. 
Uh, what about what about here's another one? All right, so we've got lying, we've got pornography, stealing. Well, nobody nobody's gonna know that I download download movies. Nobody's gonna know that I photocopy uh, books and share them with other people when when they're not paid for. Uh, we're 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 in the midst of looking at way, ways to go digital uh, for our our materials, and one of the struggles we face is well, how do we stop pirating of Bible studies? <laughs> like it blows my mind that these are the things that stu- that do happen in the Christian world: pirating, that people are taking things that they haven't paid for, stealing. Uh, you'll be found out. God knows you're stealing. Uh, those things aren't hidden forever. Uh, here's another one to think about. People try to get away with murder. People try to do to murder people in the hopes of not getting caught. I, I'm, I'm reading a phenomenal book right now, and I wish I could remember the title exactly, but it's, it's called Cold Case Christianity, I think. I think that's what the title is. But it is, a, it is a, a man who is a cold case detective who's looking at the Gospels through the eyes of trying to, uh, through apologetics, prove that the Gospels and the life of Jesus and his death, burial, and resurrection happened as stated in the Scriptures. He started as an atheist. And as he studied and investigated like, like it was a murder or a cold case, he got saved because he, he looked at the scriptures through the eyes of an investigator and, and saw insurmountable proof that the gospel is true. Uh, everyone leaves behind evidence. Even murder suspects leave behind some sort of ev- evidence that can be trailed up and eventually be found. But you know what? God knows you killed somebody. You know you killed somebody. Uh, these things... Uh, that we try to hide, but because God is omniscient, He is everywhere. He is all. See- he sees all. Nothing is hidden from God, and because nothing is hidden from God, God uses storms in our lives to re- to correct our trajectory, and that's what's happening with Jonah. This storm has risen up to get him back on the path of following in God's will in his obedience. So when when we think about suffering that happens in the life of a believer, uh, there are multiple reasons that suffering happens. But one of the reasons that we need to look at very first is when we look at the dealing of suffering is, am I suffering because of my sin? Do I have suffering in life because of what I am doing in fleeing from the presence of God. If you repent and you and you turn and you and you begin to go after God and pursue his will and follow in obedience and that storm goes away, then you know it was because of your sin. If it doesn't, then it's time to reevaluate some other reasons. Hey, maybe my faith is being tested. Maybe my faith is being refined. This is why I'm going through the suffering that I'm going through. But that's a whole other subject and topic. But right now we know that the suffering that Jonah is about to go through is because of his sin. 
God sees all, hears all, knows all. You can't flee from the presence of God. He's everywhere. You need to understand that for your own life as well. It's impossible to run from him. Uh, The old saying is, you can run, but you can't hide. Uh, You can't hide from God. All right, so uh, let's, let's kind of wrap out the end of this chapter. We have, we have Jonah um, telling he's a, he, he's a Hebrew that he fears God, and um, it says that the men became extremely frightened. And they said to him, how could you do this? For the men knew that he was fleeing from the presence be, uh, from, uh, because, of, because he told them. Can you imagine, Jonah? Okay, well, guys, hey, I'm, I'm a Hebrew. I fear God. I'm a prophet and a messenger of God. God told me to go to Nineveh and share the, the message of repentance or face wrath. And I don't want to because they're my, they're my bitter enemies and they, they've treated Israel poorly. And I want God to bring wrath upon them and, and destroy them for their sin. So I got on this boat with you guys. I didn't tell you that at the beginning, but I got on the boat. I'm down having a nap. All this storm comes up. And these people, these sailors, it's amazing to look at. They were scared before. But they are really scared now because they know at the heart of this, regardless of all the other little G gods that they've been praying out to, they have an idea of who the God Jehovah is and what God Jehovah can do to those who disobey. They are afraid because of what Jonah has done. They said to him, what should we do? that the sea may become calm for us, for the sea was becoming increasingly stormy. Getting worse. It's getting worse. The storm. Come on, guys. Jonah, you, you need to turn. You need to get back into the path of the will of God because you see, when you're fleeing from God, the storm doesn't get better. It keeps getting worse. It's compounding upon itself. And he says, pick me up and throw me into the sea on account of me. This great storm will calm down. You need to throw me into the water so that this storm will stop. The men rowed desperately. Can you see it? Can you see it? Even the men did not want to follow the path. They wanted to come up with a different plan and a different strategy. They wanted to row this boat and see if they could get to shore instead of throwing Jonah over sea. Why? They probably didn't want the blood of Jonah on their hands. All right, he says, they called, um, they could not, sorry, however, the men rowed desperately to return to the land, but they could not, for the sea was becoming even stormier against them. Uh, Then they, the they, this is the sailors, this is absolutely amazing. They were calling out to little G God earlier, now they are calling out to God, the creator of the heavens and the earth, and they said, we earnestly pray, O God, Do not let us perish on account of this man's life. Do not put innocent blood on us. For you, O Lord, have done as you have pleased. Do you see it? Do you see it? The sailors, the sailors are bowing their knee and praying before God the Father, creator of heavens and earth, asking for their lives to be spared and to be forgiven for throwing Jonah overboard. Don't let us perish because of this man's sin. 
Lord, you will do as you please. That's a, that's a huge statement right there. Hopefully, if you have your Bible, you can underline that and keep it there. Uh, verse 15, they picked up Jonah and threw him into the sea, and the sea stopped raging. Verse 16, will blow your mind. Then the men feared the Lord greatly. They offered sacrifice to the Lord and made vows. Uh, they made a covenant with God. Uh, these people started out in great fear, looking at and praying out to their God, little G. They ended with praying out to God the Creator, fearing Him and making vows to Him. The, there, there is transformation in the lives of those men on this boat. Uh, and Jonah, fleeing from the presence of the Lord, you know, God is going to accomplish his will with you or without you. That's the truth of it. God will move his plan forward. It's not based on us. We have the privilege. We have a privilege to be able to serve within the will of God. But God's plan is going to move forward anyway. Do you see how God's plan moved forward here? These men, these men became... Fear, fearful. They revered Jehovah. They made vows to him. Verse 17 ends with, The Lord appointed a great fish to swallow Jonah, and Jonah was in the stomach of the fish three days and three nights. That brings us really to the end of the chapter, obviously. Uh, next episode, we're going to look at chapter 2, and we're going to break down the prayer of, of Jonah. But do you see, do you see the point that we're, that we're bringing through here is that in running from the will of God, storms will arise in our lives because we are disobedient. What, what is God calling you to do? What is it that God has, has laid on your heart to, to do? Maybe, maybe it's something that you are actually supposed to go and do. Maybe, maybe God had, has been calling you to the mission field and, and you've been ignoring that call. Maybe God has been calling you to, to get rid of some of the sins in your life and, and follow in pursuit of him, but it has been so difficult for you to get rid of these sins uh, that you, you need to do that and follow after him. Maybe, maybe these are, are the things that God is calling you to do. God is at work all across Canada, and there, there are so many situations in which we know that God is calling people to do things, but what is it that you are not doing and not submitting to God right now in your life that you need to turn around and follow after him? What are you running from? Think about that. Do you have storms going on in your life because you are running in the opposite direction? If you do, 
This is, this is, this is the heart-to-heart moment. This is the moment where, where, where you get before God and you ask God to bring you on the right path to show you what you need to do, what you need to get rid of, what you need to change to get back into the will of God. Stop running. Stop running. You see, the culture, back to the culture that we're living in right now, um, the cancel culture that we are facing in this world, that when Christians stand up for truth, they get vilified, they get beat down, get discouraged, fearful. I, I know people that have had threats on their life because they have stood up for the truth of God's word. One of our, our faithful um, E-team members and trainers and Bible study leaders is, is out preaching the word of God in the midst of having surgeries and, and being in hospitals and just pursuing the gospel of God and giving the gospel to everybody who, who will possibly have an open ear to listen. It's absolutely amazing to see but in the cancel culture, uh, we, we, we might be, want to be people that want to flee from the will of God because we, we might not like the pain that comes with it. The, the suffering that would come, the storm that would come for standing up for truth. Just, just one of many, many examples. But stop running. You can't run. You can't run from the presence of God. You can't run from the will of God. God's going to accomplish his plan. But God wants to use you to further the kingdom of God in Canada. Hey, God wants to use you to further the kingdom of God wherever you're listening. All you have to do is submit. You have to submit to him and follow after him. And that's what we're going to look at next, next episode. Submitting to the will of God. But stop running. Father, we do thank you for the time that you have given us to look at this first um, chapter of Jonah. I pray, Lord, that if there are people out listening to this right now, that they are running from you, that your Holy Spirit would convict them, challenge them for correction and returning to you. Father, thank you for the example of Jonah. Thank you for seeing all things, knowing all things, hearing all things, searching our heart, convicting us, and challenging us to be more like you. Thank you for your son Jesus and the work of the cross. That through his words in the book of Matthew and in the book of Luke, we can look back at the story of Jonah and know that this is actually things that have historically happened this happened to Jonah. These things happen to us. We try to run from the will of God. Father, restore us. Welcome us back into your will and allow us to be people who submit to what you have for our lives. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening. For more information about Preset Ministries, head to our website, 
at www.presetministries.ca.